Welcome back to Kenny and the Coaches. It's episode 13 of season 2, and it's the last day of April. And on this episode, I have Stillwell assistant football coach Daniel Chamberlain. If you don't recognize the name from Stillwell Football, you might recognize him as the co-host of the Football Coaching Podcast with Joe Daniel, which you can find on your favorite podcasting site. We will get into that and other football talk. Here's my conversation with Coach Daniel Chamberlain. Coach Chamberlain, thanks for taking time out of your, what I'm sure is a busy schedule to talk with me a little bit today. Yeah, man, not a problem. Uh, you know, Saturdays in the off season are just for lounging. I'm pretty sure watching some <laughs> March Madness today. So, it's oh good. man, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have. We had our um, our baseball team played in the little Bricktown ballpark series that they have on Thursday, so I missed it Thursday. My wife and I and our kids went had a little family day yesterday, so I didn't watch any yesterday. I just seen all the upsets. I hadn't got I hadn't watched one dribble of basketball yet. That's crazy for me. <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm no basketball fan until it's either NBA playoffs or March Madness. Before that, it's just really hard to watch. Yeah, I've gotten more and more into OU sports over the last five or ten years, so I've been watching a few of their games. But yeah, there's just so many of them, man. You can't you can't. It ain't like game day, you know. It's like game every day of the week. So. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been watching any of the XFL stuff? You know, I watched one weekend. Um, it's, I loved it, man. It's great having football in the spring. Um, I, watching those guys get another shot. And mm-hmm. I didn't like uh, who was it, Orlando a couple weeks ago. I was watching them, and they said that they were playing their second best player at quarterback because it was a developmental league. Yeah, I was like, I don't, man. If this thing's failed twice, I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> yeah. you might want to just put the best product on there on the on the field, and let them play. But, Have you uh, beyond that, man? It's been good. Yeah. Have you? watch like any of the special team stuff that they do like yeah that. i like it um you know i'm i'm no purist till i'm 35 i can't be a purist for football i'm what <laughs> i know is football is so far off from the original it's you know ridiculous but yeah um i i don't see that many injuries in kickoffs and i'm sure someone out there's got stats it'll prove me wrong um kickoff kickoff return i just I think it's weird to to try to shorten that up or get you know the NFL was talking a few years ago about just trying to get rid of it altogether and yeah I, I guess if there's a better way to move forward they'll find it there that'll be all right um, I like the fourth and was it fifteen fourth or whatever 15, for, yeah. for, for an onside that's that's kind of intriguing um, yeah. but it really thinks if you get on a field with someone that you just outmatch man you could just never give them the ball <laughs> true yeah yeah absolutely yeah I mean and that's I, I like that idea because you know, it seems like once in a blue moon, someone will get an onside kick. Cause like, you know, whenever like in NFL or college, whenever it's, it comes to that, it's, you know, I guess they, some people have started that kind of sideways, you know, lay the ball sideways and kick it and it kind of spins. Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, I guess that's kind of neat to watch, but you know, most of the time it's just, they're going to, the, the receiving team's going to get it, you know, it's kind of right. takes the drama out of it. Yeah. Look, first off, tell us a little bit about how you became the, co-host of the football coaching podcast oh man it's a funny story um so i started my football coaching career uh going on four years ago now up at wyandotte and we we played our first season um i walked in the door on as a, as a no, nobody and on day three uh the head coach said hey man i'm gonna make you the defensive coordinator if you're okay with that and i was like 
Sure. <laughs> it was uh, it was really just kind of a title. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't my defense. I was running his defense. Basically just somebody in the box that can watch things and call plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had literally no idea what I was doing. He could have put a potato up there and done just as good of a job. <laughs> and so as the season moved on, um, I want to say we're about halfway through, and I started looking for answers to the problems I continued seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the defense we ran was a, we tried to run a 4-3, we're running a cover three behind it. And now I know you just can't pair those. So if I'd have been a better coach, I'd be able to, you know, advise, hey, man, we should do something a little different. But mm-hmm. that's a really hard matchup. Um, and so we I, – I, when I looked out and I was looking for, you know, what are the best defenses in high school football? It's kind of funny. Before we hit record here, you were talking about, you know, looking for podcasts and ours showed up. That's kind of how it did for Joe's stuff, man. I mm-hmm. looked up the best high school defense and Joe Daniels 425 popped up. Yeah. Um, so I read all the free stuff and I was like, okay, I'm very interested. And so I signed up for a week of the website and, um, I think I paid monthly once or twice and I was like, I'm going to take this all. I'm going to get an annual subscription. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And so we got through that first season and that next summer he, uh, had sent out an email that he was looking for a co-host. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I wrote him an email and I had literally no plan of, I mean, I had, I did not think that I'd get picked. There was no way this guy was going to hire a first year coach to come co-host this big podcast Yeah, that, you know, it's full of people that know what the heck they're talking about. I still don't know what I was talking about. So <laughs> sent him an email and I said, man, here's all the reason you shouldn't hire me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've yeah. not been at this very long. I have almost no football knowledge. I played very little in high school. I went to college as a walk on and, and never touched the field. Um, here's why you should hire me because I don't know anything. So you're not unlearning bad habits. So if you want me to call a play a certain thing, I just know that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Your defense is all that I know. So, um, you know, when it comes to talking with other people in our, in, in the terminology, that's, that's all there. So basically yeah. I'm just a blank sheet of paper and you can mold me however you want and, and I'll be a, a good co-host. And I'm a biology degree. So I'm good at research. <laughs> I think that's basically everything I put in there. Yeah. He said, he sent me an email back a few days later and said, okay, uh, we'll have a, a trial on Tuesday. You come in oh, and we're wow. going to record. And I thought it was a practice. No, it was an actual episode. So <laughs> oh, we showed wow. up and wow. we recorded an actual episode for my first time on the air. It was pretty, it was pretty hilarious. But man, that's kind of how it went. And uh, I, I sucked it up for the first 50 episodes. And now I'm barely above sucking it up. And I've been at it almost two years. Wow. Um, it's taught me a ton, man. I, it's it's more advantageous to me than anybody else. I'm pretty sure because oh, I just get to learn from everybody, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Now you, and you didn't have any kind of like broadcasting experience or I mean, I know podcasting is a little bit different from, you know, your traditional broadcasting, like media type stuff, but I mean, you had no prior training or anything like that before then. Nope. I had absolutely nothing. Uh, the, wow. the closest I got, my wife and I had built a, uh, I built a pretty nice computer for kind of a gaming nerd. So mm-hmm. built a nice gaming computer and it's good for business and stuff. We've, we've got about four jobs a piece right now. So yeah. um, we're always doing stuff online, but um, we had bought a couple cheap little mics and we had planned to start podcasting about our little homestead. We just got, you know, about three acres here. We live on some goats and stuff. And I was like, well, let's mm-hmm. just, let's just record it and, and put it online and just see what happens. And so, we started doing that, and it, it fizzed out pretty quick because it's a lot of work. Man, yeah, I, yeah. yeah you talked about earlier trying to keep your podcast afloat. And you're worried about it all the time, and mm-hmm. I mean, you have you have multiple jobs. You can't be worried about uh, no. You know, did I record enough content or whatever? Mm-hmm. So we had a little bit of a setup, and we had never even like recorded an episode. So mm-hmm. I went in with no experience. He just wow. 
took a shot, man. It worked. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's that's the best way to go, you know. I mean, just get out there and just start doing it, you know. Right. Matt, now what, what determines the topics you guys talk about? Because, I mean, you've got nearly – I mean, I know you said you've only been in it for two years, but, I mean, you've got nearly 500 episodes, and it seems like it's something <laughs> different every episode, something that, I mean – Every time one, you know, every time y'all drop one, I'm listening to it. I'm like, I, that's the first thing that goes through my head is how in the world do these guys keep coming up with this stuff to talk about? So, uh, on, you know, just the experience I have is essentially we sit down at the beginning of the season, which is about three episodes before the one before it finishes, and we say, you know, what's the theme? What's the overall theme? Mm-hmm. We expect to hit about 22 episodes. Um and, and then in that theme, we just try to fit things to it. We try to hit offense, defense, special teams. You know, mm-hmm. we, want, we want a well-rounded um, uh, arsenal of episodes because you don't ever want to exclude any, you know, one group. We're already so fine, fine-pointed with just being football coaching. You know, it's not sports yeah. coaching. So, mm-hmm. um, so like just for instance, this last season, the one we're uh, we're just past halfway point now in season thirteen, um, and I just ask, hey man, there's there are still questions that I have as a new coach just about the fundamentals. Can we just go back mm-hmm. and talk terminology of the most basic fundamentals? And then, you know, next season we can build on that or we can go completely different. And so we just sat down and, and wrote out 22 things that were fundamentally like we wanted to get away from like, we don't want to talk about power as a play. What, what, what type of play? So let's talk about gap scheme, zone scheme, mm-hmm. talk about three and five step drop. So we can be just wide enough that you can get an hour of content, mm-hmm. um, but focused enough that if I need to look up how the heck to run counter, or, excuse me, a gap scheme run plays, I can find that episode and, and learn both, you know, power and counter. Yeah. So that's just kind of how we we sit down. We do twenty two at a time, and and the next time we just uh, just think of the next thing we want to talk about. Really, yeah. um, I think Joe has he's double tapped several topics three mm-hmm. or four times and so when he starts doing that he just has to come at it from a different point of view or you yeah. know bringing me on as part of that or maybe another guest yeah but, yeah Man. i mean he's got 500 episodes he can't not talk you know there's no way to prevent hitting the same topic just trying to find it from a different light i guess yeah yeah i mean it's kind of sounds like you'd be doing you're doing the same thing i would be doing i'd be kind of looking at things that i need help with you know and kind of throwing that out there. hey let's talk about let's talk about this because you know i need to kind of shore up this part of my defensive game plan or, or whatever, you know, that's uh, right. Yeah. Now, yeah, man, it's exactly that. Yeah. You got to find what it is you're interested in. That way it's you know fun to talk about, but also what do you need help fixing? Cause if, if the guy hosting it ain't learning something, I, probably yeah. no one else is either. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, who were some of the more memorable people you had on? Like you had them on and you were like, man, I'm really talking to this person, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's been some, just in my two years, some of the biggest have been um, Lynn Shackelford from up at Cashin. Mm-hmm. He, he, I had not, I'd heard of RPOs in the past, but I'd never seen their effectiveness. But when he started talking about his, that opened my eyes to a whole new world. And then, you know, I got into Kenny, uh, Kenny Simpson from over in Arkansas, kind of got into his playbook and just looking at the RPOs from the, you know, gun tee. But, um, so he's been a big one. Having... You know, our, our, our guys we have on a lot are Kenny Simpson. We have on um, Rick Stewart from out in California. Those guys are, are big names a lot of people listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, having Dominic Franks on has been a blast. You know, he's he kind of he, – he's different than our usual coach because he does come from 
NFL experience. So we can ask those crazy questions you always wanted to ask an NFL player, but also we've got, you know, high school coaching time. So mm-hmm. he has the same issue I have on Friday night that his corners won't just turn around and go to their deep third, right? They want to keep their eyes in the backfield and try to play the run. And mm-hmm. So we kind of get to play both sides of the fence there on talking about his pro career and his days in college and, and then now what he's doing with the, you know, the high school, which now, you know, he's moved on to be a, uh, a QA for the University of Tulsa. But, yeah. Um, so just watching his career kind of move through, that's been fun because I'm new in coaching and hope my career does that someday. Yeah. Um, we've had Bill Blankenship on a couple times, and that's awesome just because the that that really is that holy crap moment because <laughs> yeah. the man is just stacking championships, you know, yeah. year in and year out, and now he's on here just talking football with us and and kind of get to talk, you know, talk back to the fundamentals. He was on for our zone run scheme uh, episode this season and just – getting away from the big picture and all the limelight and just sitting down and talking about his own run scheme is pretty neat, no matter who you have on, but especially a guy who's, you know, can over to, you know, talk way over your head with, <laughs> with scheme and, and ideas and, and what it takes to run in a successful program. So, very you know, successful. One thing that I've kind of taken from, because I mean, I have different coaches from different, you know, just different people in general from different sports. One thing that has kind of taken me, I'm sure you're probably the same way being, you know, a, a younger coach is this the openness that people have with their stuff? Because you kind of, you know, you look at like a, a Bill Blankenship or, I, I mean, I haven't interviewed him, but, you know, just how willing they are to just tell you what they know. You know, that's something, yeah. like coming up, I mean, I'm I'm 45, so, I mean, I played in the 90s. And I would just imagine, like, my coaches back then, they were two older gentlemen from Texas back then. So, I mean, they were really, you know, your old school coaches. Right. I, I, I seriously doubt that they would – be as open as guys are nowadays to talk about what they do, how they do it, how they kind of come about getting to where they are. You know, that's something that's been kind of refreshing for me. We've we've not had anybody out there that wouldn't just give us basically the shirt off their back and football mm-hmm. information. Um, it, you might have a hard time getting them scheduled to get on and talk about it, but once they're on, man, they're usually an open book. But there's just no more original ideas, right? Yeah, Everybody's true. stolen yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, at most, they paid for a system and went and you know watched how mummy install a, or you know, teach them about the air raid, mm-hmm. and they wait three or four years and then really kind of get their feet wet with it, and now they're going to start talking about it. And so that's that's all coaches everywhere. I mean, we do the same thing, uh, you know, at my school. We're we just run Kenny Simpson's gun tee, but we're willing to talk about it. Like let's let's have a conversation because you never know what wrinkle you might be able to add from from the guy down the road. And so sure. you know, yeah. if you aren't if you want, and, and also, I mean, you can only get so mad at a new coach for not knowing football if you won't just sit down and teach them football. So, yeah, true. That's <laughs> if you, true. If you'll open up and teach them what you want, they may make you better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, shifting gears a little bit and talk a bit, uh, talk a little bit about coaching. What was it that made you want to become a coach, and who were some of the people that influenced you? Um, coaching for me was not a, a top priority. It wasn't anything even in my list of ideas. In fact, uh, when I was at college and the guys were all there getting kinesiology degrees because they were going to be the next Bill Belichick, um, <laughs> I kind of laughed at them because, like, mm-hmm. you understand they don't get paid any money at all. Like, you make no money until you're, like, 20 years into this business. And, and so that was kind of the – unfortunately, the way that I looked at it um, – I got deployed a few times with the National Guard here in Oklahoma, and we came home off the last one. And my wife had just finished uh, PT school. She's a physical therapist. 
She just finished, and we'd moved into Tulsa area. And I had tried some some little jobs. I'd been in a couple jobs about a year apiece, and I, I just whatever the transition wasn't working, or I wasn't fitting. And Kenny Ridley called me and told me, and he told me before. I just didn't listen, but he called and told me, "Hey, man, I think you need to get into to coaching. He's, you you're really people minded. Um, you're you're always trying to take care of people." Um, he said, and "That's exactly what we need in the coaching industry. We need people that we need coaches." that are taking care of kids before they worry about success. Mm-hmm. It's all about the kids. And so he talked me into it. And luckily the, the federal government has a, um, it's called troops to teachers and it's a federal program that if you've ever served and you have a four year degree, they can get you a teaching certificate. And it's, it's not a temporary, it's called an alternate um, certificate. So you, you're just like every other teacher in the, in the school. And so I went through that program and got it knocked out. And it was like, I don't know, probably a month worth, worth of uh, paperwork. And I just applied at the local high school. And I started up at Wyandotte. And it was about an hour drive for me one way. And uh, and the rest was kind of history. Yeah. I, I really just, I mean, day one on the job, um, a kid opened up to me and started bawling his eyes out. And he was telling me, you know, about how terrible his house was and, he couldn't sleep at night because he had a hole in his wall and the cold wind was blowing through all night long. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, holy crap, man. Like, and that, I fell in love with it right there that day yeah. when that, when that yeah. young kid came up and told me that. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, well. All the other little aspects from the army work, you know, team building and uh, small team management, working with others, communication. You know, that's something I see that's, that's lacking probably in our profession a lot is just the ability to communicate with those around us. Mm-hmm. And so, teaching kids that leadership development all the things i've been doing for you know almost 17 years i'm getting to put to use now but for for kids that their life isn't halfway gone you know they've they've got a a bright future in front of them and i can kind of help them get started down that path yeah but a couple things off what you said there Uh, kenny ridley he's 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 a pretty decent guy isn't he (laughs) yeah man he's you know he's my life mentor and and i probably don't tell him that enough I, i absolutely love the man to death and and uh i literally wouldn't be where I am without him. Um, I went through some trouble back when I was a kid and, and you know, it was him that showed up. But there were other people in my family that probably should have been there and weren't, but, uh, you know, Coach Ridley came to my, to my aid and he was by my side. So he got to watch me be a knucklehead and he, he never lost faith in me and, and he used football as a tool to get to me and, mm-hmm. and keep me on the straight and narrow. So, oh, man. yeah, man, he's, he's a hell of a guy. There's, I don't think there's a better one out there than yeah. Kenny Ridley. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with that. But another thing you said there, it seems to be the common theme with the majority of people that I've interviewed that I've asked. You know, what do you want people to remember about you as a coach and things like that, or just kind of what coaching means to them and it's the relationships that you build with kids, the helping kids out. You know, that seems to be the common theme amongst coaches, and I think that's what kind of gets overlooked as what we do as coaches. You know, it's not just the X's and O's and all that stuff in, in football because, I mean, I, I can drown myself in X's and O's, you know, but it's getting to kids that maybe not – that maybe can't be gotten to in a classroom, you know. I mean, that's yeah. that's the stuff that's that's big to me. And I think, and I think it's whenever people get into coaching, they may look at it from the outside looking in and be like, why in the world are you doing this? I mean, that's probably – way over half of why we do what we do, you know. Yeah. You know, those gold balls, I'm sure, are nice. I've, I've never even touched one in my lifetime. I've seen some in trophies, and they're just that – or in trophy cases. But they're just 
they're just old trophies and people mm -hmm. half the time don't remember the story behind them um you know you get you get coaches that are super successful and then people start want to start tearing them apart and finding all their flaws and so mm -hmm. you know success is great but i think it it could bring the demise of a coach just as much as you know, oh, how many yeah. people want to knock off Bixby? And it's not because Lauren Montgomery's a bad guy. They just want to be the person that knocks the giant off, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but you can't ever fault a person for helping the kids. It, you know, it, it don't matter if you win one game a year or five or whatever, but when you constantly are helping solve kids' problems and your your graduation rates are increasing and, um, you know, your your problems with the law are decreasing, that's yeah. that stuff people are always going to remember, oh, right? Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's much better way to be remembered than just some stinking trophy in a shelf in my eyes like, oh, there's yeah. other coaches that that want i want a trophy i coach they'll, they'll let me pull you <laughs> i want to i want to carry a gold ball home someday but uh you know it's it's definitely not top of my priorities list yeah now coming off this past season i mean you guys did you guys make the playoffs or did you we didn't we missed it by uh realistically one game um yeah. five and five season we needed to beat broken bow and, and we couldn't get that done and yeah. Uh, there was Ada, I think Ada lost a game or something that, that ended up putting us out for good. But we were fifth in the conference. Um, it was a, a heck of a turnaround season for Stillwells. My first season there, I can't take much much credit for anything. I just was there helping some safeties and corners and make some reads. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, Coach Bolt Collins, he came over. It was his first year head coach. He'd been the D.C. the year before. And prior to that, he'd been over in Arkansas. But um, Stillwell had... I want to say they won like three games in three or four years. I mean, it just had not been good. They've, they've gone through head coaches a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the he's the fifth in a six-year span, I think, something yeah. similar to that. So That's tough. Just, just a ton of turnover, and, and the kids have just kind of seemed defeated. Man, they they didn't know how to win. That's the first thing we realized is even when we get up in a game, we, we just forgot how to win. And, you know, you get to a close game at the end, and you let it go. And so that's some stuff we're working on changing now. Yeah. But just having a five and five season, just getting back to that, you know, seeing some success, mm -hmm. it's changed some things around there. There's some kids that are looking forward to the future. We're, we'd like to see a little more in the weight room. Yeah, I think <laughs> we want to see some kids jump in the weight room and help us, help us coach and be, you know, start that turnaround next year. But yeah, uh, yeah, five five coaches in six years. That stuff. That's kind of the situation we were in coming in here at Empire. I think they had something similar to that. It was like four and five or I might even been five and six I can't remember but you know we've been here for the past four years and it was like that five the Arkell's five and five season this year it was kind of like that first year it was just getting the kids to realize hey we're, we're going to be here next year you know and right. I, there were you know the group that were I think they were sophomores when we first got here whenever they graduated they told a couple of us you know hey that our junior year, we were just happy that you guys were still here from the year before, you know, because they'd gotten right. so used to people just coming and going, using this place as a stepping stone. And, you know, just continuity is something that um, kids will gravitate. If they see that you're there for them, and then they're going to just keep working. You know, we had kind of a – we went from eight-man up to 11-man this past year, and we had a five-and-five five season, just like y'all did, miss the playoffs. But – I think if this would have been our first year, like, you know, just the kids that we probably wouldn't have won a game just because, right. you know, this that mentality, our mentality that we've kind of pushed on to them, I don't I don't think it would have been there. So hopefully you guys can kind of keep that, you know, 
continent. And being in, you guys are in 4A, right? We are, yeah. Yeah, 4A, that's, that's, a, that's a tough class. I mean, you've got all You know, it's tough. We, we've often talked about, like, if we had to go down to 3A, we'd probably do worse than just all those darn private schools in there. And yeah. It's just a tough, that's a tough group of kids, too, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter what, where you're at. You just be where your feet are and, and be competitive, and that's that's what we're trying to sell to the kids. It don't matter where we're at, man. Mm-hmm. We had a uh, we had a recruiter show up from uh, University of Oklahoma, and he was just you know they they're really focused on that this year. It's all the Oklahoma schools, and mm-hmm. he was like, "You you guys two A," <laughs> and that's what it looks like, right? The building, you know, we don't mm-hmm. we're not a four A school by size, really. It's there's some some uh, numbers issues there or whatever, but you know we don't care. We're gonna go out, and we're gonna compete, and we're gonna we want to win. You know, next year we need six wins. That's progress to us, or, or seven wins, and yeah try to make the playoffs like that's that's us it, it don't matter what what league we're in mm-hmm. now what do you think has been the most effective defense uh, what do you think the most effective defense has been for you as a coach like when you're like when you were talking about when you were at Wyandotte and trying to run cover three with with a four three it's just not working what have you seen has kind of been the most effective defense that you've seen um, I'm a huge fan of forefront and running a four two five. Um, it's it's you know it comes from Joe Daniel stuff and that's where I got started. But you know more than anything, I just haven't I haven't found a defense that has any less ben- or any more benefits or less uh, you know cons. And so we I like it with the hybridization of the outside backers, your safeties, or whatever you want to call them. You can kind of lie to your kids, and make them feel fast, and tell them their safeties. Want to, or, <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, I had a kid that told me this year, I don't want to play safety. I said, No, you won't. You're outside linebacker, man. It's fine, mm-hmm. right? So he gets to keep being a linebacker. He's doing the same thing. So yeah, uh, we we really like that front. We found it to be pretty effective against pretty much anything anybody's wanting to do to us. Um, uh, the ability to put a cover three coverage behind it or, or play match quarters, you know, is mm-hmm. it just it opens it up so much. I know a lot of guys are into this tight front three, you know, three front stuff. Um, we see that a lot throughout the season, and um, you know, almost like a five-two. It's really, I guess, a mm-hmm. a three-four with the, the outside backers rolled down on top uh, on the defensive end, or excuse me, on the tight end and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man. Um, and I've seen it be it's it's hard to game plan against sometimes. But once you find its weakness, it, it feels like it doesn't adjust as well as the four-two-five. So yeah, I definitely think that's where we've seen seen it work the best, and, and not everybody likes it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But we did convert this year first few games we were uh, an odd front and we converted over to the 425 and continued with our success so uh, it seemed to work okay it's just very simple to coach yeah man simple to coach simple to play yeah oh yeah yeah man i going into because coming up I, I played 11 man when i was at fox and then you know they went to eight man i think two years after i graduated so when i come back and not ever coaching or anything like that and when I get the Fox, all I'd ever had, all I'd ever coached was eight man. So it was, you know, I know you're probably not too up to speed on on eight man stuff. I know you had Coach Ridley on, and y'all kind of talked about that. But right. you know, going from because it's, it's different, especially defensive side of it, it's different. And me going from eight man all that time to this this past season, moving up to eleven man, it was totally different for me because I was well, you know. And here's the thing, I was. Looking at it, and I just because we didn't have any film on anybody, so I just started, you know, searching where I could find it, and I saw how everyone was spread out, and you know, I was looking for the best defense, and I came up with the, you know, with what we have, I had to kind of go with a, a three-four, 
And so we get to playing, you know, and I get to watching film, and everybody, I think, I think I counted up. I think we played two teams that ran single wing, two teams that ran flexbone, one team ran wish, the old school wishbone. And I think we only played one team that actually kind of spread it out. So I'm like, well, crap. I mean, they're just gashing us in this 3-4 because I got my linebacker <laughs> set up. So I actually went to that kind of tight three. It basically ended up being a 5-2. I mean, that's all we ran. I'm like, you know, we actually kind of thought about going old school like 6-2. You know, right. just because nobody threw it. Not That's something that, that really floored me was I was expecting it to be like the college game, you know. And then coming right. into it, everybody's just cramming it down your throat. So I was like, man, that's – and who knows, next year everybody may change up. You know, but I, I think like in the lower classes, it's just, you know, they don't have quite the athletes that probably like you guys do in 4A, and so they can't spread it out, you know. Well, you know, we, we run a single wing too. Um, I, it's just super effective, and we just mm-hmm. play the RPO game to death. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, a lot of people want to spread it out even, and, and then they'll still just try to run it, right? They're just trying to lighten that box, and they want to mm-hmm. run the ball. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's... And that's a big question, you know, what is the best defense? And I, I laughed earlier about looking it up on Google, and there was Joe and I got in his stuff. But it's really situational. What are you seeing? If you're seeing a bunch of run, you don't need to run. You know, you don't need to have a 3-4. Mm-hmm. You just, like I said, old, old school 5-2 or 6-2 and, <laughs> and run cover three behind it and, and uh, have everybody's eyes in the backfield because that receiver ain't getting the ball probably. No, I mean, I bet, gosh, no – I can't, I can't, I can't name the amount of teams that actually threw the ball. It was, we played Mangum and they spread it out and they they threw it a little bit, but they still, like you said, just spread it out to run it. But I mean, it was just who could win in a phone booth. Old school football. I mean, I actually, I, I actually kind of went back and watched some of my old film on VHS tape to see what we were running right. back then. You know, and we were running a six-two and a five-three. You know, and it, the teams that we were playing were doing the same thing. I'm like, crap, it's, you know, 30-something years later. <laughs> These guys are still running the same stuff, and that just kind of that just kind of threw me for a threw me for a loop a little bit there. Yeah, that, that risk versus reward will uh, change a, a coach's mind real quick. You, know, you can go to all the, all the clinics you want and, and go learn the air raid and, and everything <laughs> else, but, boy, when it comes back to practice time and those kids walk in and you're like, okay, never mind, uh, we're going to have one transaction with the ball, and then it's going to be a handoff. You know that <laughs> was a uh, coach Ridley used to always tell us. You know, when when you, when you throw a pass, there's, there's only three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. So yeah, if you want to take that risk, go ahead. Well, uh, and I don't think that's a, and, I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. I don't think people have that thought process anymore. But, yeah, it's, it's changing. Like, it's definitely changing, man. Yeah. Football is, is it's a different animal, but. Now, Some of us, uh, we have the talent level. We have to keep looking at it the old school way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Now, from talking with other coaches from around the nation, like you, like you have been, what? And you kind of talked about, you know, OU looking more in state. What do you kind of think the state of high school football is in the state of Oklahoma? Do you think that kind of the Oklahoma athletes kind of getting a little bit more, a little bit more love than probably in years past? Um, man, to be honest, I don't, I don't follow recruiting as much anymore. Um, I got real big into it last year, but mm-hmm. you can, I mean, that's like a drug, man. You can get in that and never come out. Like it's, <laughs> it's wild just mm-hmm. watching. And then, you know, the kids are playing games like they don't, 
they don't care. They they lie to a guy right up until signing day, and then sign on the other dotted line or you know the hat <laughs> games and all. That. So it, it mm-hmm. really kind of turned me off. I I do think some OU kids are starting to get some looks. You know, we saw a bunch up here from the Northeast, um, Owasso, and and some of these schools mm-hmm. going to Arkansas and OU and Missouri and a bunch of places last year. Um, this year will be the same. You know, I think these these regional schools are starting to really pay attention, and you know with OU Texas moving to SEC, I think that's just going to open even more doors because, mm-hmm. you know, the Tennessees, the Alabamas, the Auburns, Florida's, they got to look and see, well, what are, you know, what is OU recruiting up there? Do we need to go sniff around? And so, you know, you could find a few more kids, you're getting some SEC um, offers, some scholarships. And once they start sniffing, you know, the rest of them have to as well because they're all trying to play keep up. So yeah. I think Oklahoma football is definitely on the rise. I'd, I'd like to see the numbers a little higher. Um, I live over here. I'm about 12 miles from Arkansas while we're sitting here talking. So, mm-hmm. you know, last year they had a couple 4A schools that had to go eight-man. And wow. I don't know if their rules are strict yet on ours about how many teams can be in eight-man. Mm-hmm. But you talk about going a 4A school, that's pretty big, right? That's, yeah. That's yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people that you should be able to pull from, and they can't get, you know, 14 kids on the field. So yeah, I think the sport in itself is it's trending downward, unfortunately, and that's just – it could be the old school way of coaching has kind of braided the kids out of it, or I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it seems like it's hard to even at my school. It's hard to get kids to play. Yeah. Uh, like, no, that's a lot of work, and I don't want to sweat that much. And mm-hmm. That's a lot of time after school. I can go home and play video games or whatever. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And see, we had, there's a six A school around us. We had, I'd heard a couple of years ago, or actually, I think this was last year that there was six A school and they only had like 29 kids out. So that's. That's tough for, uh, you know, that's tough for six. That's tough for anybody. I mean, we had twenty five, I think, out this year, and I mean, that's that's pretty good for us. But you know, it's still not what you see on most sidelines, even you know, on Friday nights in Class A football. You know, so yeah, it is right. kind of concerning. Now, I was kind of talking about this with uh, my head coach the other day. We were talking about kids playing summer AAU ball and travel baseball and how that kind of it can hurt like your summer pride stuff. And do you think that football could do something similar to help with the lack of participation in the sport over the summer, kind of like AAU basketball or uh, like travel baseball? Do you think there's anything that could be done? Because I, I, when I first said that, I was like, well, there's seven on seven, but that's only – we don't do seven on seven. So, I mean, I don't know if it's – like if there's a window that you can do that in. Um, yeah, so seven on seven does have a window during the summer, and I don't know the dates, unfortunately, but yeah, um, it seems like it has to be done by uh, that dead period we have, yeah, the beginning of June or July or whatever. That's kind of what I was, um, I was thinking. And I think that is our equivalent, man, because you can't. I, I don't think we can go out and do full contact football all year. The kids just mm-hmm. need that other time. Number one, we need them in other sports. You know, yeah. if you're a, the coach that's requiring your football players don't get to play anything else because they might get hurt or this, that, and the other, and that, that's that's old. That's out the window. That's, mm-hmm. that's beyond beyond fathoming at this point in time. Um, you need to go let them get developed another by other coaches. Yeah, take coaching from other people, develop other skills. Um, you know, be competitive year round. I don't need you sitting in the weight room being competitive against a stinking barbell all year. I need you to go <laughs> compete against the kids because you're going to see them again on Friday night. Yeah. And you know what? When you uh, when you hit the buzzer beater from you know on on whatever night they play basketball, and you beat that kid from across the way, and you see him again on Friday night, you get to rub his nose in a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I, there's some networking going on there as well. So uh, I 
I think sevens on seven is our chance to do that. Um, it's hard for some coaches that are kind of stuck in that, you know, wing tee or, yeah. or uh, flex bone or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. You take one of those offenses to a seven-on-seven seven competition, you better not go to a, a tournament style, right? Not that you <laughs> couldn't be competitive. I just think you're going to run out of bullets. Um, yeah, but there's some there's some leagues out there that are just calling themselves a developmental seven-on-seven seven league. Like, we don't – everybody gets the same amount of plays. You score great, pat yourself on the back, and go line up and run it again. Mm-hmm. And that might be, you know, some people's speed. But I, I think that's what we have. You want kids competing. You want them having fun. Um, it's not necessarily the, the helmets and shoulder pads and getting hit. Oh, man, you just go out here and see what you can do and, and show off for people. And you can smile and wave to the crowd. And you get all that kind of tied back in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that is our version of that, that travel ball is just put a good league together. Even if it's non-school, right? You could do a non-school league in Oklahoma. Yeah. And you can pull kids from all around the county if you want to, all around the state, and uh, just go put a seven-on-seven team together and go be competitive. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I, I just, I, I see kind of our numbers dwindling just in football overall, and I just, I hope that there's something to kind of get that those numbers back up. You know. I'll tell you what, what, what we're doing, and, and we learned it from Joe. Um, you know, he started shortening practice down, so he he goes with that 90-minute practice plan, mm-hmm. and. And, you know, it's still, well, we're still trying. We were at about two hours last year. Um, we're trying to get it all figured out because you have to become a lot more efficient coach. You can't waste time. Um, you know, moving drill to drill has got to be quicker. The bigger thing we're doing is just, like, cutting out conditioning. You know, once you – especially once you get in the season. Like, it, there's no reason to condition anymore. Yeah. Um, we had on Derek Smith from over in Arkansas. He's a strength conditioning coach. And, you know, he brought up the fact that, it takes like two weeks to lose your conditioning. It takes two weeks to start losing your strength. It takes three days to start losing your top speed. So yeah, work your speed, get your speed work in, and then go to practice and quit wearing your kids out. But mm-hmm. you know, with a, a kid with a different mentality these days, that might be the key. It's just you want to say it's making it easier, but just coaching smarter. You know, we yeah. say that in the army all the time. You know, work work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that doesn't uh, that doesn't always come through with. With uh, coaching, unfortunately, we think that the more reps of something we can run, the better, or the more time we're out there, the better. You know, it's just like watching film. If I watch film all weekend and I spend 20 hours watching film, I'm going to get more out of that film than if I've watched it two times and put it away. Sure. Um, we have this weird, weird thing with time spent equals product, and that's not always the case. Yeah, so. that is true. That's absolutely true. Now, I got one final question for you before I let you go. I appreciate you being on. What. What has been your podcasting horror story? Because I know everybody's got one. Like you recorded something and you lost it, or well, so we use Zoom, and so luckily that does. I've deleted two of them by accident. Zoom oh. saves them for you. So yeah, you know, we were talking about uh, technology earlier before we hit record here, and, and Zoom will save your butt there because I've had two of them go in the dumps, and I can just dig them out. Mm. Um, you know, I pretty funny is uh, I had uh, Lynn Shackelford on and, and I kind of got two stories here but Lynn Shackelford came on and I had seen him in a clinic at the, Oklahoma, or the Tulsa Oklahoma Football Coaching Association Clinic and I swear that he told us that he was running like spread offense um, I swore that's what he said and then he, he worked into these RPOs so we actually invited him on to an episode and I'm pretty sure it's talk spread offense if I'm not mistaken yeah and, uh, and so he gets on to the, you know, he logs into Zoom, and I'm like, all right, you know, we'll talk about spread, this, that, and the other. He was like, oh, uh, yeah, we don't run that here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. 
and I, apparently I had heard, I don't know if I just misunderstood him, him at the clinic or I had listened to someone else and just, I don't, I have no idea what happened. So we got on and had him on with a completely different topic in mind, but luckily, you know, with podcasts, you can just switch the topic right there. So we did, Yeah. we talked as RPOs. Um, and then I've, uh, like the completion side of things, you know, you got to do notes and, and go in and make it, make it pretty so you can post it and it looks good online and, mm-hmm. you know, doing all this editing and making pictures and all this stuff. So. I uh, I have a timetable. I'm supposed to have mine done by Mondays, and that's just how we keep things rolling. And then I've gotten one Sunday night dug in and just knocked one out and didn't think about it until, like, Tuesday. And I got an email that it wasn't done, and I went and looked. And I had done the wrong one, which no. didn't seem like that big of a deal. But now, you know, I'm behind time and, and uh, was pressed for time that morning because I had stuff to do, too. So I was just trying to find, find time to get the work done. So <laughs> just little things like that, man. We've, we've not had any bad horror stories, luckily, yet. Guests yeah. that won't show up, or you know, they have to cancel last minute. That's happened a couple times. Yeah. Now, knock on wood, it won't happen. Going. Yeah, forward. we're going knocking right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Coach, man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I, you know, before you t- emailed me or, or, or DM me on the Twitter, I'd never, I'd never uh, heard your podcast, but I've gone back and listened. Uh, you know, I just got to listen to uh, Salasaw's new head coach and mm-hmm. uh, listen to Brandon talk for a little while. So that's pretty cool. It's just I'm I'm definitely going to be a listener now. So oh, I think that's at least one fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. People keep telling me how to promote it and all that stuff. And I'm just like, dude, I I really just do this. Just I mean, I do it more for me almost, just to get to know people and kind of get to hear stories and stuff like that. So I appreciate it, and I definitely will be uh, listening. When's the next episode come out? Of the uh, ours, ours come out every every Thursday. Every so Thursday. Find every Thursday. Yep. Uh, I think we. I couldn't tell you what comes out. Like I said, we're two weeks behind, and I can't remember two weeks ago what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Uh, I keep a little rundown of who I've got coming on, and that's all. That's the only way I remember because I have. <laughs> this is this is probably bad. Sometimes I'll forget the person. I'll forget the interview. I've done so many of them. I'm like, crap, what did I talk about with this person? And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I'll get to looking through my, my notes and everything. I'm like, okay, that's what we talked about. <laughs> right, yeah, that, that happens. Um, yeah, so ours came out on Thursday. Last one was play action, bootlegs, and naked schemes, and just running through those. And, and man, this, like I said, this whole season, which about halfway through, is all about just fundamentals, just getting back to basic plays and, and why you need them and why you might not need them and coaching points and stuff like that. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Coach Chamberlain for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the Football Coaching Podcast with Joe Daniel, and also don't forget that a new episode of Kenny and the Coaches comes out every Sunday on your favorite podcasting site. You can also find links to this podcast on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page, And if you're on Twitter, just search Kenny Coaches. And remember, don't forget that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the coaches. Until next time.